Thank you for tuning into our podcast. Here at Velocity, we love to know when lives are impacted. And if that is you, please shoot us an email at amen at findvelocity.org. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the message. But uh, I just want to take a moment. My name is Andrew Shaw. I'm the worship pastor here at Velocity Church. And uh, I'm just so excited to get to, to bring the word of God to you this morning. Uh, but before I do that, I just want to uh, thank a couple people. Uh, the first person, I, I just want to recognize the platform that I'm on. Um, and I want to just thank my pastor. Uh, pastor Justin, uh, I'm just so grateful that you are my pastor. And I'm so grateful uh, for what you do for me and what you do for this city. God, the, the sacrifices that you make every day and the sacrifices that you've made to make this platform possible. I'm just, I'm, I'm in awe of what, what God's doing through you, and I'm just so thankful that you, God used you to, to, to bring me closer to life in Christ, and um, I'm just thankful for this opportunity, and I don't take it lightly, so thank you, Pastor. And uh, uh, I just want to uh, give a little bit about me before we get into uh, the message today. Uh, so, like I said, my name's Andrew, and uh, I've been living in Lawrence for, uh, man, I can't get this iPad going. But I've been living in Lawrence for uh, about seven years. Uh, I went to the University of Kansas. I got my degree in music education, and then I taught here in town for three years uh, at both Lawrence High and at Free State High School at the same time. And then uh, one of the biggest transitions in my life that just ever happened is in June, uh, I, I came on full-time with Velocity Church, which has been a huge blessing, and uh, I'm still uh, kind of in awe of what God's doing with that. Um, I have two babies, and, uh, but rather than tell, the, tell you about them, I want to show you. So here's a, a quick video of my firstborn. So that, that, is my, that is my dog, Ember, and uh, that's one of my two dogs, so I don't have, I don't have any babies. And uh, uh, my, my mom-in-law, my mother, my parents, everybody, you know, keeps asking Heather and I, my wife, hey, when are you guys going to have kids? And we just keep getting more dogs. So <laughs> sorry, Mom. Uh, and the, the next picture I have is of my wife. Uh, my beautiful wife, Heather, um, you might have seen her on, uh, on the platform as well. She's a worship leader here. Uh, you just please clap for her. Give her love. Um, you know, what you don't see is, is what I see. And I, what I see is every week um, she's praying for you. She's praying over uh, the worship. She's praying that um, she can lead you better. And she can, she's praying that God can grow her better. And I just want to say thank you. Whew. And I love you, and uh, I'm just thankful that you're challenging me every week, making me better. Um, I'm just, I'm in awe of what God um, is doing through you. I lost my notes again. <laughs> Rookie mistakes. Okay, so uh, I've, I've got all these new pressures. I've got all these new transitions in my life, and that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about transitions, pressure, or things in your life that might be new, and I want to talk about through that through the lens of Joseph. Joseph is one of my favorite uh, uh, stories in the Bible. I'm not talking about stepdad of Jesus, Joseph. I'm talking about uh, really, really dope jacket, Joseph, in the Old Testament. So that's the scope, that's the lens that we want to look through pressure to 
today. So Joseph's story actually starts with his jacket, and it starts because uh, his father is Jacob, and his father Jacob gives him his jacket, and, he, and Joseph is the, the 12th, uh, 12th child, 12, 12th boy in this family. He's the youngest. That's that's pretty incredible. But he, uh, the, so all of his 11 brothers above him obviously hated him because he was the favorite. He got this dope jacket from his dad. So while Joseph was uh, going to find his brothers one day, his brothers plotted against him. They plotted to kill him. And, uh, and one of his brothers was like, eh, that's probably a little harsh. So we should probably, uh, let's do something different. Let's, uh, let's throw him into this pit right here. So that's what they did. Joseph arrived on the scene, and, they, and then he, uh, his brothers threw him in the pit. And then some merchants came by, and uh, his brothers decided to make a little money off of him. So he sold him into slavery. And so Joseph started his journey onto Egypt. He was sold to Potiphar. Potiphar wasn't the pharaoh, the top dog at the time, but he was a really, really high-ranking official in uh, pharaoh's um, cabinet, if you will. And so that's where the, uh, the story brings us to the Word of God. If you have your Bible today, you can take that out. You can turn to uh, Genesis 39. If you don't have your Bible, we have a giant Bible up there for you. So we're going to start in 39 verse 1, and it says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was, with, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. So Joseph was under pressure. We go on in verse 2. It says, The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. So God was over pressure. Then in verse 3, When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar had put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. So so we had overpressure. Now he's provided provision for Joseph. Um, and now we're in verse 5. We'll end with verse 5. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So provision in for Joseph, and then God pulled provision out of Joseph. Before we get going, would you bow your heads with me? I want to pray, ask for God's help. Well, Lord, um, I'm just in awe of you. You are the God of miracles, and we proclaim that over our lives this morning. Father, I just ask that um, it's not my thoughts, it's not my feelings, it's not my, my words, God, but it's your words that come forth today, Father. And God, I just ask that your, your Holy Spirit rain down on the church right now. And God, I am grateful for a Jayhawk victory yesterday. Oh, my goodness. And God, I am praying for a miracle that we have five more. We get a bowl this year. God, a miracle of a bowl. I pray it, and everybody who believes it can say amen. Man, it's been a while since we've won. Okay, uh, so the, the, who, in here, uh, who, who in here has ever been on an airplane? That's most of us. Um, well, I love to travel. That's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, my wife and I love to travel. I love everything about travel. It's a, a, the, the food, especially, that's what I love. And then the, the new people, the new sites, everything about travel is amazing. I love it, except for being on the airplane. But the, the main reason, the main reason I'm, I'm an introvert, so uh, the main reason why I don't like, and some of you might be able to relate to this, is there's always that person that you're sitting next to, you have, you, you have your book open, and they just continue to talk to you throughout the flight. And you're just like looking at your book like, 
yeah, I'm, tr- I'm, I'm reading, or you have your headphones in, it's blaring, and they still just keep trying to talk to you. Can anybody relate to that? Can anybody? Thank you, thank you. Okay, and then there's, uh, there's also the, the pressure that I feel in my head. There's the ears popping, there's the stomach, you know, you feel like you can't really eat. And that's, that's, what, I wanted to, that's what I wanted to delve into, is I, I was thinking about this message and pressure and what that means with uh, airplanes. And so um, on airplanes, uh, what happens is as we go up in elevation, the, the air starts to spread apart. Things get further apart. The, the molecules get further apart. And so we get less temperature. We get less pressure. We get less oxygen. And that is exactly why uh, airline companies created cabin pressurization systems. And I didn't, you probably didn't think you were going to learn about that in church today. But I, I have a reason, I promise. So the cabin pressurization system, what, what this does is it, it takes the energy from the, the, the engines, and it, it's really hot at that time. So they funnel it through the, the wings of the airplane because the wings can uh, freeze over. So after it's cooled down a bit, it goes, the air goes into the cabin, and it pressurizes the cabin. So as the airplane goes up, as we want to get higher... We need more pressure in the cabin or we'll die. So we have this pressure put on us as we get higher. And so the truth is, as, we, as, as painful as it is sitting next to that person, and if you're that person, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. But as painful as it is to sit next to that person and as, as painful as it is to eat the so-called food, the truth is with pain is that we will never grow unless we raise the threshold of our pain. So we will only grow to the threshold of the pressure that we allow in our life. So the, the, the equation, I'm all about equations. So equation for growth is we have growth. We start, we want growth. Everybody wants to grow. Everybody wants to be better. So we start with growth. What does that mean? It means we have to change, which I hate, by the way. So we change, and then the next thing that happens is you have to either have more. Change means that you have more or less of something. So if you have more of something, that means you have pressure. If you have less of something, that means you have pain. So growth, therefore, equals pressure or pain. And I want to talk about that tension this morning that if we, if we want to grow, we have to have pressure. So Joseph, um, the, the thing about it is that I, I want the promise. So I'm over here. I want the promise, but I don't, I don't want all this junk in the middle. I just want to get there. So that's, that's the tension I want to talk about today. Joseph might have said it, said it this way. He's, he might have said that we want the provision, but we aren't willing to be in the pit. So that's the question, just do we want to grow this morning? And if we want to grow, we have to be willing to be under pressure. And if you're taking notes, that's my first point. That's the first step in this cycle of growth. So we're under pressure. So we left off in the story, and Joseph had been sold to Potiphar, and everything was Gucci. He was still a slave, but he was in charge of all the slaves and only worried about what he ate. But, but God wasn't done purifying his purpose with pressure, and that's what God does. He purifies what we want with pressure. So uh, Joseph was a great-looking dude. He was a good-looking dude, and Potiphar's wife, so Potiphar's his master, Potiphar's wife saw him and was like, hey, come to bed with me, and she said that several times, and Joseph was faithful. He refused every time, but the last time, he ran away, and he left his, his robe, and Potiphar's, tw- Potiphar's wife twisted the situation up, and she, she grabbed the rope. She went to Potiphar and was like, hey, this guy tried to take advantage of me, and so Potiphar was just angry. 
angriest ever, and, and he, he threw Joseph in prison. That's where we jump back to scriptures, 39, 20. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And Joseph is under pressure at that point. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So Joseph has something that is over his pressure. So the next question is, if we are under pressure, there's got to be something that's over it. So what is over pressure? So there's the tension again with with pressure is that I'm willing to have the dream. Joseph was a dreamer, but I, I want to know what's coming, but we're not willing to be in the pit. We want the provision, but we're not willing to be in prison. And we want to reach our highest calling, but we're not willing to feel the conflict. There's conflict in our calling. So the great thing is, and it, this is one of, my, one of my greatest things that God taught me this week, is that the great thing is there's more of what God put in you than anything that be, could be causing pressure around you. And if we left right now, and that's the one thing you got from this message, I I would be happy. The the great thing is there, there's more of what God put in you than anything that could be causing pressure around you. So we look at our lives under pressure, and God wants to see that he is over our pressure, and he is over our weakness. He is over my imprisonment. He is over my disappointment. So that's the first step in God's plan for growth. Apply pressure. So that you can see that God is going to bring you over your pressure to receive your blessing. Colossians 3.2 says it this way. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And something that I want to talk about next is comfort. Um, God doesn't work with comfortable. He works with um, faith-filled people who step out. And this comfort is a cultural lie. It's It's a cultural destination that... That is not achievable. It's not of God. And that's why today I'm choosing to seek God who is above my pressure, not the things around me that are fleeting. So let's keep reading. Genesis 39, 22, it says, So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. So there's provision. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. So if God is over my pressure, and and I realize that, I speak it in my life, what does he want me to get from my pressure? And and the thing is, God wants to put provision in you, and he wants to pull it out of you. That's my third point. So, so far we have under pressure, over pressure, and he wants provision in your life. So Joseph is still a prisoner, but God still used his purpose for Joseph himself and for other prisoners. So something that I want you to notice is Joseph's actions didn't change from the prison to the palace. So Joseph had every right to see his situation as unfair or hopeless. So maybe you walked in today coming from a hopeless, pressure-filled situation at work, at home, or at school. And all we can do is follow Joseph's example and focus on being faithful. So instead of being hopeless, Joseph gave everything he had to the small task given to him, and his positive attitude was noticed by the prison warden, and he gave him position. So a lot of this wasn't Joseph's fault, and this, this is something that I noticed, is that there were false charges. And sometimes we're put, we're put in situations where it's not our fault. We're put in a situation where there's a false charge, where I'm in prison, but it wasn't my fault. And so that's, that's what I want to talk about today. He could have been prideful and bitter, but instead he was faithful. And so often I wait 
on God. I wait on fairness when God is just asking me to be faithful. So I wait for fairness in my life, but God is asking me to be faithful. So we can be promoted in prison, and God loves to work with terrible odds. He's the, he's the God of miracles. So the story continues. Because of Joseph's faithfulness, God gave him position and provision to fulfill his purpose. So later, two men, the Pharaoh's cupbearer and the Pharaoh's baker, and these are the, uh, so this is the, now the Pharaoh's servants. So the Pharaoh is like the president, the king of the time, and the Pharaoh had two really, really the most important servants, you could argue, were his cupbearer and his baker. So the baker was in charge of making all of his food. The baker was in charge of everything he ate and drink, and then drank. And uh, the cupbearer was in charge of uh, taking that bread, taking the, the cup, and making sure it wasn't contaminated, making sure it wasn't poisoned before he ate it. So everything that, that the, the pharaoh ate, consumed, was, was uh, filtered through these two guys. So important men coming into the prison. In chapter 44, the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph. So there's provision of position in Joseph's life, but what, what are we being assigned that we need to be faithful with before we get our crucial assignment? We've got to mind our assignment, somebody. So later, the cupbearer and the baker had dreams, but they were super depressed because no one could interpret them. So Joseph then realized why he was in prison. And this, this is one of the, another thing that was crucial in what I learned this week. We think that we are in prison and it's meant to punish us. And that, that's, what, that's where I come from a lot with God. I'm saying, God, why did you do this to me? You're punishing me. But the, the, the real reason that why we feel pressure is it's to provide for other people who are feeling pressure. We're in prison to help other prisoners. So that's exactly what Joseph did. The later, later, the cupbearer and baker had dreams, but they were super depressed because no one could interpret them. So Joseph realized why he was in prison, and, and he, the provision comes in. And th- this was something that interesting that came to my mind. Abraham Maslow, um, he's an American psychologist, and uh, something interesting about his work is he created something called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. You might have heard of it, and um, at the very, it's like a, it's like a pyramid, which works because we're in Egypt. So it's a pyramid. Thank you. That was a pity laugh, but I, I appreciate it. <laughs> so the, this pyramid, this this uh, this pyramid of needs, the priorities, the the bottom, the base of this pyramid was uh, our physical needs. So that's the first, uh, the the lowest in priority. We need it, but it's the lowest in priority. So that's uh, shelter, that's food, and then we go up in the pyramid. The next thing is our psychological needs. We we need to be needed. We need to be uh, in relationship, and we need people um, encouraging us in our life. So that's the second most high, uh, hi, second highest um, priority. And then the highest priority in early in Maslow's career was uh, self-actualization. And self-actualization is just um, learning how you can be the best that you can be, achieving your highest calling in your life and achieving your highest potential. So that was the highest thing in, in Maslow's, uh, early in Maslow's career. So later in his career, he found a lot of paradoxes in, in his theory and in, in, in his findings. He found these people that were amazing self-actualizers, but they actually weren't that focused on the, the very top need. They had something that was above themselves, and he created, he created a new highest need later in his career. He called it transcendence. And transcendence, what that means is that you're 
taking the provision that's given for you, the highest calling, you're putting that aside for a moment and providing for somebody else. And this is called transcendence. It's something that he created later in his career. And, and that's so interesting how science and the Bible came together. Huh. So uh, in verse 8, it goes on. We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. So we have used our calling at its highest for others. He's provided for other prisoners. But what's the last step in our uh, pressure-filled growth? And it says, uh, as a great modern theologian once said, when the praises go up, the blessings come down. And that's exactly what happens. Joseph said in verse 8, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. And that was my fourth point, by the way. My fourth point, praises go up and the blessings come down. So what I thought was interesting in verse 8, do not interpretations belong to God, was that this was the first time in scripture that I read in Joseph's story that he, he proclaimed out loud. He might have thought it, but this is the first time in scripture that it's recorded that he he gave the, the praise to the provider. And I thought that was interesting. And that's, and that's the thing that unlocked the door and got him out of prison. So Joseph's still performing his purpose earlier, but he didn't get, get his highest position until his praise went to the provider. So I want to tell you today that you can't grow to your highest calling, that transcendence level, unless you recognize who planted the seed. And in the New Testament, it says in John 15, 1, Jesus said this, that I am the vine, Jesus is the vine, and my Father is the gardener. So you have to give the credit where it's divinely due. So let's go on with the story, and let's look at when his praises go up. So Joseph hears the two guys' dreams, and God gives him the interpretations of the dreams. And in 40, 13 through 15, it says, Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position. This is Joseph talking. And you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to when you were his cupbearer. In 14, it says, But when all goes well for you, Remember me, remember Joseph, show me kindness, mention me to Pharaoh, and get me out of prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. So three days later, the dreams came true, um, and the cupbearer was released from prison, but he forgot all about Joseph. And so uh, the time went on. Joseph spent more time in prison. And then Pharaoh, the top dog, the king of this, this new brilliant civilization, the king of it all, the Pharaoh, started having these dreams. And his cupbearer overheard what his dreams were. And he, he, said, he said to the Pharaoh in, uh, um, in 41.16, or uh, sorry, 41.12, now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us, as I restored to my position, and the other man was impaled. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph and brought him out of prison. And this comes back to that point. So I want you to notice in the story that Joseph wasn't called out of prison to stand trial. He wasn't, he wasn't called out of prison because of his fairness. He was called out of prison because he was faithful to his calling under pressure. He was faithful with his provision in 
and you pulled it out of him for other people. So that's where it comes. It's not always going to be fair. We just have to be faithful. So uh, his praise goes up again. Pharaoh told Joseph about his dreams, and Joseph sent the praises up. 41.16, I cannot do it. Joseph replied to Pharaoh, I can't do it, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. So Joseph interpreted the dreams and, and, and told Pharaoh that there would be seven years of abundance, and then that would be directly followed by seven years of famine. And so he, he went to Pharaoh and he said, hey, I, I have a plan. It might, I might help you. So let's take one-fifth of the, the seven years of abundance and save that. Let's save it. That way when we have um, our seven years of famine, we'll have food. And that's something, if you're a young leader in the room, when you go to your leader with a problem, always have a plan. And the, the next thing you can see is that Pharaoh says, wow, that is incredible that you, you even thought of that. I'm so glad you came to my life. And he, and he says, he grants him position. And he says, in verse 40, only I will be greater than you. So Pharaoh now gives Joseph his position, his highest position that he could ever have. He's second in charge. So when your praise goes up, your blessing comes down. And something that I thought was interesting is Joseph was not, uh, uh, Joseph was not only given his highest position, but he was given a wife. He was given all these clothes. He was given riches. Um, but the thing that I thought was most interesting was the thing he, he named his children. So his firstborn son was named Manasseh, which means it is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. So Manasseh is firstborn because he made me forget all my trouble in my father's household. And his second born was Ephraim, which means it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Huh. That's so good, Joseph. So it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. So there's provision from his pressure. So maybe it's time to rename my past today. Maybe it's time to tell your past who is bringing you over your pressure. So he sent his praises up, but what about the blessing coming down? That comes later. So all, all of these things in his life, his new position, his children, his new job, his riches, his highest calling, that's not the biggest blessing. It, it says it in 45, 5 through 8, when he was reunited with his brothers who uh, were not in Egypt, they came to Egypt seeking food. He says, and now do you need to, need to be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. And there it, again, it is again with fairness. A lot of times we, I, I said we need to be faithful instead of looking for fairness, but sometimes we need to forgive. Forgive even though it's not fair. And in verse 6 it goes on, For two years now there has been famine in the land, but for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So his greatest blessing that God poured down on him was that he was not only saved his family's life, but, but he saved lives all over Egypt. So like I told you in the beginning today, my wife and I... Um, uh, we're starting on these all all these transitions, and one of the 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 biggest transitions that we have is we just bought a house, and uh, one of our first moments of, oh we 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 have to fix that now. <laughs> one of those moments came up about two weeks ago. We um, and I'll invite the band out um, as we close, and 
Um, so one of, those, one of those moments happened, and it was with our washing machine. And so, of course, being the prideful person that I am, I was like, oh, I got this. I got this. I'm going to watch a couple YouTube videos, and then I got this. And so I watched the videos. I was spending probably like two and a half, three hours on this problem. And uh, I, I like took the back off the washing machine. There was like 90 screws to get that off. And then uh, I was like, okay, I've had enough. I, I have no idea what I'm doing. I got to call in somebody, call in a professional. And so that's what I did. The, the professional came in a couple of days later, and he was like, oh, yeah, this is a pretty common fix. And uh, first of all, he, he, didn't even, he was like working in the complete under, of, and I was working behind. I wasn't even in the right spot. But it took him like five, I, I want to say five, ten minutes tops to fix this problem. So he tilted it up. And he looked underneath and he said, oh, there's a problem with your cycle. So everything was working. Everything was great. And everything was, uh, it was filling up with water. It was cleaning everything. And then it wouldn't spin. It wouldn't get that cycle going. So all he had to do, it took five minutes. It was so frustrating. I was so mad. And then you pay, oh, no, never mind. But uh, he, he, he just tightened this screw. He tightened it up. And, and then right away, the cycle started away. And it, and it was just five minutes that he diagnosed the problem, and, and, and then he started again. And that's exactly the thing that I learned in this message, is that I think that, that growth, that pressure is linear. That there's a destination. That we start with under pressure. We go to over pressure. Now, we, we, God gives me a provision, and then I, get, I give the praise up, and then I'm done wipe my hands clean. I'm done. But what God showed me is that it's a cycle. That pressure is never going to stop. Pain is never going to stop. But the, the great thing about it is we have a God that is over our pressure. He's over our fear. He's over everything in our life. He's over that pressure. So what, where are you today in that cycle? As you can see, where are you? Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're in a place where you're living in in comfort or you're living in uh, the lie of comfort where you haven't stepped out in faith, stepped out in faith to feel pressure and grow. Maybe you're in this place where you're under pressure, but you haven't ever declared who is over your pressure, who's going to bring you over pressure. Well, maybe you're in the place where you, where you know God is there. God is over my pressure and you, you have the provision. God's given you gifts but you haven't helped other people. Maybe you're stuck there. Maybe you're stuck. You, you've given gifts to other people, but you haven't given the credit where it's divinely due. And, we, and that, that, that's the last one. The last one I want to talk about that is we try to find our strength in ourselves or things around us, but when we need to look up. So where does our strength come from? In James 1, my, my favorite verse in the Bible, James 1, 2 through 4, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So we're looking for people to build us up. And Joseph's brothers... Let him down. We're looking for our position to build us up. We look to our job, but Joseph was thrown into prison. We we looking for our own faithfulness. God, I was faithful, but the cupbearer didn't even return the favor. 
So if we always look to these things, you will always have these false charges in your life. So whenever, when everything around us is telling us to keep looking under our pressure, we look up. We look up to the God who loves us, the God who is over our situation, who will always be more than the pressure that is in our life. So as we close, I want you to stand. I want you to catch your seat. I want you to stand with me. So at the very end of his life, Joseph said one of my favorite verses on pressure and one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Joseph said this in 50, 19 through 20. Read it. Is, Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So in this moment, I want to speak this verse, I want to speak James 1 over our life. I want you to say it out loud with me if you're comfortable, and I want you to declare that God is over your pressure. Let's say it out loud. Genesis 50, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Say it out loud. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Let's say it again. Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Let's say James 1 together. James 1 together. It says... Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything.